Welcome to Hacking Your ADHD. I'm your host, William Kerb, and I have ADHD. On this podcast, I dig into the tools, tactics, and best practices to help you work with your ADHD brain. Hey team, I've recently been thinking about task initiation a lot. But while working on the first draft of this episode, I realized that there were a few ideas that were important for me to explore first. So in this episode, we're going to be exploring some ideas of executive dysfunction, but then we're also going to be getting into stuff surrounding our mental and physical health and then how we can work on systems that help keep everything in order. If you'd like to follow along on the show notes page, you can find that at hackingyouradhd.com slash 145. All right, keep on listening to find out what we should be looking at before we even get started. When I need to do something, getting started is often not the first place I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about all the intricacies of what I need to do. I'm thinking about what comes next. I'm thinking about how things might fit together. And in general, I'm not thinking about what that very first step is that's going to get me going on the doing of the thing. Now, sometimes the excitement that comes from all that planning is enough to get me motivated into starting. I may be thinking about writing an article, and I just have to get the ideas down on paper as they keep spilling out of my head. Or I'm doing something new and I want to try something out real quick, and it's the spark that sets everything in motion. But more often than not, starting can be a place of incredible friction. It can leave me frozen with the desire to do something, but unable to overcome the inertia of doing nothing. And this can be so incredibly frustrating, because I can see the road from B to C, and then C to D. But I'm left wondering, how do I even get to A and actually get the whole thing going? So let's start off by acknowledging that getting started can be hard. It doesn't matter that it often feels like it shouldn't be hard. We're dealing with executive dysfunction here, and that can make it incredibly hard for us to switch gears, even if it's something that we want to be doing. I mean, yesterday I had a bit of free time and I thought it'd be fun to jump onto some video games. And yet I spent 30 minutes just laying on the floor scrolling on my phone. The entire time I knew I could just get up and do a more rewarding activity, and yet I lay there doing something I didn't particularly want to be doing. Of course, that also came after a long day filled with tons of activities that drained my ability to exercise my executive function. If you had asked me to do something like working on my writing or doing some weekly planning, forget about it. It just wouldn't happen. And I think this is something that's important for us to keep in mind. We are only going to have so much time and energy in any given day to get things done. While it may feel like we should be able to just keep pushing until it's time to jump in bed, that's not really how our brains or bodies work. We need to limit how much we're asking of ourselves, and we need to give ourselves time to rest. One of the problems that I often run into is that my brain looks back at a time where I was a rock star performer and knocked my to-do list out of the park. My brain goes, look, you can totally work your way through all this stuff. I mean, you did it before. And sure, it may be true that I've been able to do more than I think on occasion. But I'm failing to ask myself some important questions here, like, how rested was I going into those days? What kind of deadlines was I under? What other motivating factors might have been in play? And also importantly, how did I end up feeling the day after? Because these questions should really temper how we view how much stuff we're getting done. I know recently that I've been dealing with a lot of physical injuries in my life. I'm rehabbing my torn quad... I have also recently dislocated my shoulder again, and then I bruised a rib while going down a water slide a couple weeks ago. And those things definitely put a damper on what I'm able to get done. They affect how well I sleep. They affect how well I get around, and even how much time I want to sit in a particular position before I have to get up and do something different. And even though they aren't particularly painful, 
that small amount of paint does create a certain level of distraction in everything that I'm doing. And it's incredibly easy for me to write these distractions off as something that I should be able to just get over. But looking at that statement from the outside as if it's something a friend had told me, it can feel kind of eye-roll worthy. Oh yeah, just ignore the condition of your body and get over it. Sounds like a great plan. If a friend came to me like this, I'd absolutely to tell them to pull back and focus on getting themselves healthy. We all need time to recover. But again, when this stuff is just in my head, it becomes incredibly easy to write off. But what I really want to get at here is how this is stuff that we're often overlooking. When this episode was first coming together in my head, it wasn't about any of this stuff. What I wanted to look at was why I wasn't getting started on a number of things that I was finding myself having trouble getting started on. I was looking at areas like my activation energy, having things on my calendar, and using accountability. And those are all great things, and I'm absolutely going to be hitting on that stuff in future episodes. But what I realized as I was writing this episode is that I had to pull back a bit and look a little deeper because while working on those things would help me get more done, that's not actually what I needed to be focusing on. One of the issues that we can often run into is that we fall into the trap of thinking that the first problem we see is the problem that needs to be fixed. For me, what I saw was that I wasn't getting started on tasks in a way that I wanted to. And so that must mean that my issue revolves around the fact that I'm having executive dysfunction around task initiation. That's not a huge logical leap, but the issue is that I wasn't looking at where that executive dysfunction was coming from, and I was just looking to solve the executive function rather than thinking about the upstream causes of the executive dysfunction. And I do want to temper this with the idea that, yeah, doing the things like looking at my activation energy and using accountability would help with my executive dysfunction and would be good things to be doing regardless of the root cause. But they are not going to solve for the underlying issue that I'm dealing with. This is incredibly important for us to consider when we're dealing with things like pain, fatigue, burnout, or any other chronic conditions, because it's not going to matter how well we're implementing our systems if we're not addressing what initially caused those systems to fail. And this is the real crux of what we're talking about here. We want to be looking at these failure points in our systems and figuring out how we can sure up those weak spots. Now, to be sure, there is only so much that we can do here. I talked about my injuries earlier, and while I can do some amount of injury prevention, I can't predict everything that will happen. What I can do, though, is work on making it so that my systems don't fall apart when I'm not at 100%. Because one thing I am 100% sure of is that I'm not always going to be at 100%. In fact, I should probably be making sure that my systems can function when I'm running at a far lower level. Systems that function on my bad days. So what does this even look like? Because, yeah, it's easy for me to say a bunch of buzzwords here about systems and how we don't want to be overloading them. But I know for me, that isn't creating much of a concrete picture of what that means. We can start looking at something like our morning routine. Now, you may be saying that you don't have a morning routine, but let me assure you that even if you haven't planned it out, there are things that you're doing every morning that have come together to form at least a loose skeleton of a routine. The idea here is that we want to think about what are the minimum steps that we need to take to get ourselves out the door in the morning. This can be hard with ADHD. I know I've had plenty of mornings that just nothing seems to be coming together, and the time I need to get out the door comes and goes before I can get my act going. But that's the point here. We want to be thinking about how to make these systems of our morning routine simpler. What are the fewest steps that are going to take to get us from A to B? Not the stuff that would be nice to do, or the stuff that we feel that we should do, but the things that need to happen. 
Since I work from home, I don't necessarily need to get myself out of the house in the morning, but I am taking my kids to school, and so there are things that need to get done there. Kids need to have breakfast. They need to get their shoes on. They need to have their backpacks ready. And we have systems in place to make this process easier. My kids have checklists of things that need to go in their backpacks every day. We have a bin their shoes go in so that they know where their shoes should be. Although that isn't always going to be the case, but hey, it helps. And we also have a bin of extra clothes downstairs so that they have socks because half the time they aren't putting socks on in the morning before they come down for breakfast. This all doesn't make the process seamless, but it does make it easier. It makes it so that I'm not trying to hold all of these things in my working memory while also trying to put together a cup of coffee. It also means when it's time to leave, it's fine for me to shuffle out the door in my house slippers and some pajamas, because all I'm doing is the drop-off. I don't have to worry about those steps that aren't important for getting the kids out the door. And with this, we can then work on creating those same kinds of systems to help us get out the door. And specifically, what works great here is the same thing that I was just talking about, and that's a checklist. What are the things that we want to take with us every day? We can also implement things like places for commonly used items to go so that we know where they're going to be when we need them. There is a reason that I have a key basket my keys always go into, because otherwise I am not going to remember the last place I set them down. There is a reason that there is a bin for my shoes to go into. It's so there's a specific place that my shoes go. Not a generally by the closet place, no, a place that they are always going to be when I need them. And we can think about these systems and checklists for other things, like getting started on stuff. What's the minimum that we're going to need to get into work mode? Again, a checklist can be great here. I can start off with writing down what I'm working on, get my headphones on, work playlist playing, which does have to be its own item because I'll often stick my headphones on and forget about my intention to play any music, and have my phone set to new.disturb, have a timer set, and we can add anything to this list that might help get us going on what we need to do. Then the point here is that we want to make these systems simple for us to get into because we're often not going to be running at 100% or even 80%. We want to make the barrier entry low enough that even on our bad days, it's not hard to get started. Thanks for sticking with me all the way to the end. Before you go, though, let's do a quick rundown of today's top tips. One, we need to recognize and respect our physical and mental states. It's crucial that we're kind to ourselves and acknowledge that we're not always going to be at 100%. We don't always need to be pushing ourselves, and it's important we're giving ourselves time to recover. Two, it's important that when we're building systems in our lives, that we look at making them simple and effective. We want them to be able to work even on our bad days, and that means we need to lower the barrier to getting started on them. Three, one of the great ways we can implement systems with our ADHD is through checklists and creating designated places for things to go. Again, our systems are there to make our lives simpler and streamline the things that we need to get done. That's it. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. Feel free to connect with me over at hackingyouradhd.com slash contact. If you'd like links or to read this episode's transcript, you can go to the show notes page at hackingyouradhd.com slash 145. If you'd like to support the show, the best way to do so is to tell someone about the show, especially if you think a particular episode would resonate with them. Just click the share button on your podcast player. Or you can consider supporting me on Patreon. Just go to hackingyouradhd.com slash Patreon to find out more. And now for your moment of dad. Why don't scientists trust atoms? Because they make up everything. <laughs>